Greetings ladies and metal gents and welcome to this latest narration of the web series The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series there is a playlist listed down below in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 139 Memory Transcription Subject Slanek Vendel Civilian Date Standardized Human Time February 13, 2137 The Dirty in Homeworld was a stormy place during monsoon season. Its name was Kalkwa but I didn't care much for dissecting the linguistic intricacies of any titles. Skalka, World of Death, that was a name from a species of warriors. Even that nomenclature meant little compared to the sole place that mattered. The one that I raised in my dreams, Alpha. So despite the rift between the dirty and homogeny and the United Nations, my concern was using the Grey Avians to complete my mission. That was why I decided to come here. I had plenty of time to concoct a plan as I drifted from stop to stop on the train back to Skalgar. The pittance I received from the Vendel Human Exchange Program gave me the money I needed to reach out to unscrupulous parties. That entailed looking no further than a Nevok industry. As the losing parties of a trade war with the Fissons, they would do anything to make a quick buck. I forked over half the fee up front in exchange for travel to Kalkwa. The Nevoks weren't suicidal, so their unofficial smuggling enterprise wouldn't take me to offer. But they still had open trade with the Dirtian. It was up to me to negotiate a deal to make the trek to the Federation's home. I opened my knapsack, spotting the gun tucked into the book. The rural exterminator's office in Calgill Falls didn't seem to recognize me and was delighted when I'd voted the idea of taking out dogs. Those Vendel made it clear that they wouldn't mind if a human predator got on the wrong end of a bullet. It was all I could do to not mow each of them down then and there. My impatience to get to business was growing now too, with the itch of my claws craving to pull the trigger. The damn Nevok have been in a holding pattern above world for hours, something about it being too stormy to land safely on dirty and capital Lalut. Why can't we descend now? I barked. I was also a pilot. I know we can fly through choppy conditions. The Nevik flicked his ears. It is against local regulations. Too many crashes on dirty and soil, especially with smaller spacecraft. They'll find me at the docking bay if I go now, so no can do. I'll cover the fine with a little extra for you. How much to go right now? A thousand credits. I gagged at that figure, but fished out my hollow pad regardless. Most messages showed on the old chat app I'd used during the exchange program, but I navigated to my bank account instead. I'd wanted to leave something to Jency and Marcel to improve their welfare, but what was important was exterminating Nikonis's life as soon as possible. The Nevik looked satisfied when I transferred the requested amount and punched in the commands on the piloting interface. My ears pinned back against my head with the actualization of my plans unfolding. As a recognizable figure across the galaxy, I wasn't expecting the Dirtian to give a human-friendly Vendel a hero's welcome. They thought our sweet predators were as good as dirt, but at least they weren't actively engaged in war with them. Anyone who threatened Earth's safety or the average Terran's welfare needed to be put down. In the past, people like me would have never allowed someone to terrorize our herd. To think... What they'd done to Skalka was worse than the bioweapon of the Colchians gassed Marcel with. I wonder what their species would look like with specially crafted afflictions. Hey, what is wrong with you, Slenek? We're here, and they've locked the docking clamps until I pay the fines. 
You were in such a hurry and now you've got a thousand parsecs stare at a runway. Go, get off my ship, the Nevik barked. I jolted back to alertness, slinging my knapsack over my shoulders. Thanks for the ride. Hustling out onto the runway, rain assaulted me from above and trickled into my ears. I spotted dirty and soldiers marching towards the shuttle with irate wing flaps. I raised my paws to show my intent to surrender to security and halted my forward momentum to ensure I wasn't perceived as a threat to the herd's safety. The avians looked alarmed to discern that a Venal had slipped through their borders via a Nevok charter. Several guards immediately drew their weapons, forcing myself to remain calm. I knelt onto the pavement without waiting for instruction. Two guards pushed me onto my stomach, planting their webbed feet against my neck. The Dirtian chained my arms behind my back and hauled me to my paws. They called in my arrest, naming me as the famous human pet Slinek. I gritted my teeth at this moniker. Smoothing out my fur through the concerted effort, I issued a request to speak with someone high-ranking in the government. The avian suspicion intensified after I verbalized that desire, though they passed it along to the correct channels. You're completely at their mercy, so might as well play nice. They have no requisite not to hear your plea, though I don't know what happens if they say no. It took several minutes sitting in the back of a stationary police car, but clearance came through for me to be taken to Ambassador Koji's office. The dirty and representative to Earth was fresh back from the summit, having slammed the door on humanity's diplomatic offers once and for all. I released a sigh of relief as the car began to moving, and I offered as little as possible to the guards prompting me for reasons. What I had to say was for official ears only. Nobody could know my plans to annihilate Nakonis. Impatience caused me to fidget, and the bland colors of the structures didn't give me much to look at. It felt like hours later when we finally arrived, passing under a billboard that said, Sapien Predator, an oxymoron. I wish they hadn't put the Windows to Visual Translator on to convert text to Vendel Tongue. A dirty guard hauled me out of the car, granting me an unhindered look at the embassy. The construction was built to withstand strong winds, with metal plates over the windows, and entrance hatches on each floor for any natives that chose to fly inside. I was forced to take the long way around, trundling through the lobby to the rusted elevator that clearly hadn't seen much use. Is this even safe to ride in? It doesn't look like it's been you well kept, I grumbled. The security officer huffed, smashing the third button with his wing. Oh, so you talk now? Just to question us. You are an intruder here, and you will do as we say. I doubt it'll be worth our time to hear you out at all. I can't fathom why you came to Kalkwa with who you are. I swished my tail with annoyance, but said nothing as the elevator ratcheted up to the third floor. There were periodic creaks and scraping noises as it ascended, along with the painfully slow pause that made me think that we were stuck for a second. The door slid open, revealing an array of private offices. Most were shut, though I could see lights from under the frames. I was brought to the far end of the hall and deposited into Koji's sprawling office, still chained. The dirty ambassador had pictures of Noah's face on the wall with his binocular eyes carved out. If I wasn't desperate to get to Arthur, I would have never beseeched her aid. I thought my god had misidentified you, but no, it really is Slenek, friend of the captured human. Is this some deranged plea by Tava to get me to return and apologize for her audacious stunt at the summit? If I didn't know better, I would think that the predator Noah was her lover, Koji sneered. 
I issued a nervous laugh. That's ridiculous. Ambassador Noah just interacts with her a lot. And he's the one who convinced her to trust humans. I know people say Tava is too attached to humans, but don't be offensive. I'll be whatever I want. You're in my office, I'm Kalkwa, and we don't worry about hurting predators' feelings here. Well, I'm not here on behalf of my government or humanity. I'm here because of what the Colchians did to Skulgar. It's personal. They ruined my life. They turned me into this. I know you're angry about what they did to you, so we can help each other. I'm going to kill Nykotis if it's the last thing I do. The dirty instead mean disbelief before she burst out laughing. <laughs> I know the weakest species in the galaxy is made up, but you must be out of your mind. You're still crippled and... Uh, I can't imagine how that would ever work. Besides, it's something a predator disease patient would say. Again, I reiterate, the fact that you came here is beyond deranged. Why us? Because you're the only one with motives to make them pay who could actually get to offer. I thought about every detail. I need this to work, so just trust me. You could schedule a meeting under the ruse the Kalshians, knowing the dirty and walked out of humanity's suburb. Tell them that you want to meet for reconciliation. Nikonis would love to weaken Earth and siphon off their allies, so he'll bite. That's, uh, actually halfway decent, Slanek. I don't see why we need you. I perked my ears up. You'll never get inside the hall with a weapon. Security will catch you and you'll be blown. If you think you can attack Nikonis unarmed, you'll just get gunned down by his guards, who follow him everywhere and are armed. It keeps you from making yourself a target. But yet, even if I fail, you have to cover of me being a stowaway from the summit or something. Some predator shit. Koji craned her neck in thought, and her eyes lit up with something resembling schadenfreude. I knew that I'd the dirty and then and there. I'd read them right gauging that they wanted to obliterate the Colchians after the Archive's info. My guess was based on the fact that they were willing to communicate with humanity, who it was no secret they hated. After the homogeneity learned about being turned into mindless drones, the ambassador tossed a beak back. How do you think that you can get to Alpha, let alone with a weapon? I read the human myth about the so-called Trojan horse, I replied. Was this plot a human idea? No. They stripped me of my military rank because of what I did in Malu. I just drew inspiration from the predator trickery. They're best at it, you know. Oh, I know. I'm not surprised if Venlo saw that truth eventually. What is this Trojan horse? My version of it. Make a gift statue for the Kalshians, line it with materials that will disrupt sensor readings, and stick me in the base. My guess is that they'll put it in the garden outside. You bring Nikonis to see it, wherever it is, and I'll pop out. We can put a slut in there for me to shoot from inside without risking me being sighted. I just need an escape lever. And a motion sensor for when you direct him in front of my exit. I see. You want a weapon from us, I imagine? I already had a gun in my bag, which I'm sure your guards found. So it can be stashed in the statue with me. Don't worry, I've gunned down Colchians before. You don't want to know. So, you don't need to worry about me getting cold feet. I can handle myself. What's your escape plan? I don't have one. I tugged at the chains around my poles with discomfort. My plan is to run off and meet you back at the ship. You can make a lot of noise and cause a distraction if you want to help. The less details you know about that specific part, the better. I don't want to tip off the Colchians chasing me. That makes sense. Koji seemed to buy my lie, and she shuffled papers on her desk. I'll bring it up to the people who can actually make this decision. 
If they say yes, which I suspect they will, we'll start work on the statue. What should the likeness be? Paying to narcissism always works. Lyconus boasts about all the things he did to other prey species. So it's clear his ego wants people to know. It could be a statue of him. Killed by an idol to himself, it's poetic. They hated Dirtian for having opinions and speaking our minds. They don't want us to speak. Fine, we'll do things the other way. For what it's worth, I appreciate you bringing us to this opportunity, and I hope you succeed. I imagine the Collective feels the same. Koji summoned the guard and had me brought in, and ordered him to bring me to the visitor's room on the first floor. As I looked over my shoulder, her grey silhouette swooped out of her hatch in her office, and the bird took flight. My mind harkened back to when the wingless humans had jumped out of the spacecraft, with me sedated in tow, and dropped to the cradle's surface. Loss clawed at my heart as I pictured Marcel giving Nudia pain meds for her shattered leg. The goaded child he wound up considering his own, who played with Uncle Slinek and Marcel often. What I wouldn't give to be innocent like that again, before Earth was hit. We were so happy and unaware of the Federation's unholy meddling. I had no clue what I really was. Tears welled up in my eyes. The finality of the assassination attempt was certain. When Koji fulfilled my request to travel to Arthur, and after observing her reaction, I was certain her people would heed the call. There was no turning back from deep within Federation's heart. It was too late to select any route other than vengeance for me, and I struggled with what I knew came next. After disposing my creator, this was part of the tale where my own life of misery should come to a close. With how I'd changed, that might be for the greater good, but I was chilled by the prospect of non-existence. My tale didn't have to be an exact replica of ancient Earth's literature. It wouldn't be. However, my non-existent escape plan meant the end was near for me. I wished I'd said proper goodbye to Marcel. The red-haired human would be upset by what I was about to do. He was under the impression that I was getting help, and we'd never had the opportunity to patch up our friendship. Though, that hadn't seemed possible, ever. The venal he'd befriended was already dead. Whether Predator's disease was a lie or not, I felt like there was a fair diagnosis for me now. Any explanation I could have afforded Marcel would have only made him more disappointed in my warped mind. This would be the last time I disappointed my human. However, giving my odd unwillingness to die... I would hope to find another way to disappear than expiry. My schemes had been crafty enough up to this point, so perhaps I could think on my feet in the moment. One thing was for sure, I was no longer going to freeze or let fear triumph during calamity. If this was my last adventure, I planned to go out with what humans called a blaze of glory. End of chapter. There is a new legend on the horizon. Blueberry Cat has taken the T6 Patreon spot. Thank you very much, and I'm sure that I speak for everyone when I say that. I would just like to thank our T5 members, Lord Azrakal, Ambrose Cattell, Quantum Wednesday, Dregzoon WRE, Blueberry Cat, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Bushmaster177, and Leslie517. Thank you very much. Greetings, ladies and managers, and welcome to this narration of the web series, The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 140 Memory Transcription Subject Slanek, Venal Civilian Date Standardized Human Time, February 20th, 2137 The lack of ventilation inside the statue rendered it quite stuffy, 
which led to me donning on an environmental suit with an internal cooling. It wouldn't be ideal if my painting gave away that there was someone inside the statue. The icon of Nokonus was nearly double his actual height, and even had him holding a flamethrower. The Dirtium had a sense of humor, I'd give them that. Whatever Koji passed along to her people, the statue had been constructed hastily and to my plan was greenlit. The workmanship looked decent, in spite of the condensed time frame. The Colchians were receptive to the homogeneity's offer to return to the fold, not knowing hidden venom was behind the talks. The Dirtian had a better idea than my motion sensor. They disguised a camera into the base, raising other knobs around it to conceal it. I tested the escape door before we departed. There was just enough room for me to kneel and spring out from the crouched position. I was also given a backup firearm to avoid any technical issues. The moment of truth came when Offer's gunships greeted us above world, scanning us with sensors. The masking technology obfuscated my signature enough, since the hidden compartment was painted with special materials that prevented light from passing through. I'd peeked at my camera screen when the ship's crew disembarked, and the Dirtian was shown inside the Federation Hall under careful watch. The Colchians had quadrupled the amount of guards on site, with several looking down from the newly built watchtowers. What is this? The Colchian soldier demanded as Ambassador Pogoshi pushed the statue down the cargo ramp. I had needed to wedge myself between the walls to keep from sliding. Shit, is that Nakonis? It's a striking likeness. Koji flapped her wings in agreement. Yes, it's a gift as part of our peace offering. We would appreciate it if you could display it somewhere and allow us to show it to your leader as part of our humble apology. Um, I'm sure there's room in the garden, though it wasn't authorized before. Is the offering not good enough for the Commonwealth? Dirty artists didn't do well enough. I thought that we were here to reunite our peoples, not to be insulted and spat at. Uh, uh, a routine protocol could certainly be waived if Nikonis teams fit. I mean, no offense. We'll place it in the garden, and you can go right in to see the High Chief. Very well. I expect the Federation to respect our contributions in light of the impact that we have to the war. We'll follow your pal. I watched with bated breath as Koji was escorted inside the hall. The Colchians weren't that trusting, giving it a lengthy scan and raised my heckles. One soldier wrapped on Iconis's chest above, finally seeming content when it didn't sound hollow. Thankfully, my compartment was tucked below the bulk of the statue. As cramped as it was, the Dirtian made a wise decision to minimize the space taken up by me. It lowered my risk of detection and limited the amount of off-putting cues that would be visible. The statue was moved onto a large dolly, with several caution soldiers exerting themselves to push it across the clean sidewalks. Blood hummed in my veins as I fantasized about popping out and now shooting the grunts at point-blank range. With the hour of my plan in sight, the fear and doubts had evaporated. I was excited for the deliverance of sweet revenge, for me, for Marcel, and for every vendor affected by the Federation. However, my wrath had to be saved for the one who deserved a summary execution. I had plenty of time to think, hours without stimuli, other than listening to guard chatter and surveying my surroundings. My life had gone downhill in a hurry. I ruined the only real friendship I ever had, and erased my fear at the cost of my soul. The humans and I had no idea what we were awakening, from our shaking beginnings down this path. When Nikonis fell on my claws, if I was taken with him, two monsters would be killed. 
This was the only way to be free of the Federation's tampering, once and for all. Nikonis is the one at the helm of the war who plans to forcibly cure and use humanity. He gave the orders for Malu and every other battle and laughed about the centuries of torment for other races. He'll do anything for power. He is pure evil, lacking respect for nature or any other societies. This would be my final act to protect humanity and Vendel kind. I could still hear despondent words in Marcel's voice, demanding an account for what I'd done. But I had the conviction to pep myself up. The Dirtians saw the wisdom in my plan, so while Koji had called it deranged, there must be a merit to why I was doing it. The galaxy would be a better place without Nikonis drawing breath. I repeated the mantra to myself, and ruminated on how good it had felt to execute the Kaushian scientists at Baloo. Hours replaying at that moment worked me into a fervor. Where is Koji? I thought to myself. How long is that dirty and going to dawdle inside? She was supposed to bring Nikonis here. You'd think he'd want to see the stupid statue. Even fixating on my impulses wasn't enough to stave off boredom. Stuck in an uncomfortable suit in a cramped space, as I was half contemplating going on the prowl, seeking out the chief, distant chatter finally hit my ears. It had gone from daylight to eerie dusk, with a faint illumination falling on the curated choose flowers from the sinking sun. Koji and Nikonis' voice floated behind me. The Dirtian ambassador to humanity was the perfect figure to renounce Earth and make amends. The duo were laughing like old buddies, seeming to mock Terrans. I doubted Koji had to fake a word she said. Was shocked to learn humans groom themselves, the Dirtian was saying. They trim those tiny patches of hair, paint their claws, and polish their canines. Predators dulling themselves up, it's hilarious. Nyclonus clasps these tentacles behind his back. Here, in a predator's mind, they truly think they're sapient. We know better, of course. There might be a tiny bit of credence to higher cognition in humans, but it is minimal. Flesh-eating beasts figured out germ theory, unlike the Yotl. Well, it is fortunate that those humans' monstrosities bathe, or they'd smell of blood and carcasses. Just to not smell more rancorous than they already do with that sweat. They're dripping in it. I've seen a pool under their armpits, and it's fucking gross. We never wanted to be friends with them. Remind me why I shouldn't aim for Koji after Nikonis. The way she talks about Terrence is disgusting. She's lucky that we have the same enemy. The Dirtian was positioned out of reach of Nikonis, with the guards keeping the duo apart. I grimaced when the Colchian leader stopped a hearty distance from the statue, admiring it from afar. He inspected it for several seconds before returning his focus to the avian. Curses flitted through my mind. I thought that he'd view it from every angle and be drawn in by his own towering image. It represented the power he wished to lord over others, as well as the fawning attention he craved. What do you think? Koji prodded. Nikona started to turn away from it. It is satisfactory, but I'm not sure that it'll help our image to keep this around. Are you joking? It is an expression of adoration from an independent party who regrets their time outside the Federation. It's not like you built it. Please, humor me and appreciate the craftsmanship. Come close. Look at the knobs in the base here. They're carved with a different flora from Arthur. The Dirtian trotted forward without waiting for Nikonis' response, and I noticed the Colchian leader curled his lips a bit with irritation. He trailed after the avian, offering a cursory glance at a knob to appease her. 
The gray avian was stationed right in front of the camera and the escape hatch. Though she was struggling to coax Nikonis into position, I might have to go for suboptimal ambush. Feel the quality of the materials and the level of detail. I want you to appreciate it, Chief. Give me some interest. We don't give gifts lightly. Worried the press are going to catch you? Koji squawked. Nikonish trudged up with reluctance, and the dirtin moved out of the way so that he could take her place. The indigo skin containing his violet blood and the bulbous, sickly orange eyes harboring evil intent were right before me. This was the time to strike. Given that Koji had been instrumental in luring the Kolshian to the spot, my anger towards her eased a bit. I ensured my paws were ready on the gun and wrapped my tail around the statue's released lever. With a single, unhesitating tug, the assassination attempt was set in motion. After dreaming about this moment for hours, all that rushed through my mind now was Skolga and Earth, my two homes. I thought about Jensi and her tears at my brother's funeral. Thanks to what I was about to do, she would be mourning her other son's death in no time. If Marcel truly still cared for me, he would be grief-stricken too. This choice of mine was going to hurt the people I loved. Yet, I still had the resolve to move forward. The door slid open, and I lunged towards the Colchian that was a mere feet away. What the? Nikonis gasped out a few words, and alarm flashed his eyes. Before his guards could even draw their weapons, I gotten off several trigger pulls into the center mass. Violet blood gushed from the wounds, but I made sure I kept pulling to ensure the job was done. The Colchian leader crumpled to the ground, while Koji had taken to the skies in hasty escape. I landed on all four, shoving the barrel into his temple. The guards had drawn their weapons, and I could hear shots being fired towards me. Pain seared through my stomach, nearly blinding out all sensory input, but I managed to depress the trigger again. Brain matter spluttered over my wrists as another bullet struck me in the leg. My crooked limb gave way underneath me, and as I fell, more shots whizzed by where my head had been. Nikodus was splayed behind me, lying in a pool of his own blood. His bulging eyes were cold and lifeless. I could tell from the vacant gaze that he was gone. I'd done what I set out to do. The wicked tyrant, the face of the empire that terrorized every world they came across, was dead. I'm okay with being executed now. My sacrifice will be worth it and bring humanity one step closer to demolishing the Federation. Still clutching my gun, I grasped in pain and on the ground. Orange blood was dripping onto the grass, matting my stomach fur with sickly fluids. I managed to raise the weapon and fire a shot at a guard. It clipped him in the shoulder, though the gash unfortunately didn't cripple him. More soldiers were rushing to the scene, focused on me for all directions. I tried to fire again, but my magazine came up empty. With my bullets spent on Nikonis, my agency was diminishing, as rapid blood loss threatened to send my system into shock. Cease fire! That's Slinek! Take him alive! A commander shouted. Colchians rushed to stand over me and kept the guns pointed at me. Medics checked on Nikonis first, finding him lacking a pulse. At an officer's order, they turned their focus to me. With my mission complete, I was ready to put an end to the thoughts that plagued me. I felt surprisingly calm about bleeding out in the hall's glamorous garden. Tentacles got work packing my wounds and prepping me for transit. I clawed feebly towards their eyes, though my paw was swatted back with ease. Feck! You! I sputtered. My life flashed before my eyes as I laid there, staring at the sky. There was a lot of blood, and I could tell that without looking. I'd never planned on making it out alive, and clearly, Koji hadn't concerned herself with my escape either. I stopped fighting, and relaxed into the ancient fall, sinking its grip into me. 
a cold, involuntary wave tugged me down to unconsciousness as I fell further away from all the senses and thought. Harsh light flitted into my eyes as I slowly came to in a laboratory. It wasn't clear how long I'd been out, but I still felt disoriented. My wounds had been mended, and an IV was sticking into my arm. It could have been used for a blood transfusion. A sick feeling clasped my abdomen, realizing that I was in Kolshin custody. Researchers were conferring with each other, clearly talking about me. Something in the air they exuded reminded me of that evil scientist, Navaris. The visuals in my periphery finally registered as machinery I'd seen in the humans' anti-predator disease campaigns. This seemed like a facility. The reason Onzo had cautioned me against touting my diseased mind. I tried to prompt my weak limbs to rise, but restraints strapped me to the table. The jangling sound alerted the Colchians to my wakefulness, and a doctor skipped over with the light. I gulped nervously, though my throat was lacking in saliva. Yeah, you're awake. Now we can do our neurological scan and determine the exact areas that trigger venal aggression. The doctor pressed a few buttons, and the cot I was laying in rolled down a conveyor into a machine. Researchers log, we are commencing our initial survey of the assassin. I anticipate few difficulties breaking this vendel. He only spent a few months with the predators. Once re-education is complete, this docile slinek will be an excellent example of our allies, of why gentling and curing are necessary practices. My ears clamped flat with pure terror, listening to the hum of the machine. The Colchians were scanning me to identify which parts of my brain they wanted to change, and then were likely to broadcast the before and after to demonstrate what an excellent job they'd done. I wasn't sure if the researcher had meant for me to overhear. Perhaps he thought it wouldn't make a difference whether I knew his intent. What if they convinced me to detest humans and go back to being meek prey? I didn't want that. Regardless of what they did to me, I'd hold out for the memory of Marcel. I struggled against the restraints again, despite knowing it was useless. Three monsters had me at their mercy, and given my role in Nikonus's gruesome death, I imagined my treatment would be less than kind. Every ounce of my brain wished that I'd bled out in the garden, and that the tale ended just as Frankenstein's monster had perished. There wasn't supposed to be anything after the assassination was complete. I had to find some way to get out of here. The rest of my life suddenly seemed like an endless stretch of torment. I fell into a numb state of terror, realizing the unavoidable future in store for me. The personal sacrifices necessary to bring about Nikonis' demise were higher than I'd ever expected. The Colchians chuckled amongst themselves as they scanned the terrorized Vendel's brain for places to poke and prod. Hatred simmered in my veins, and I yearned to kill every last one of them. Yet all the same, Despite the burning rage that festered inside me, my deepest, all-consuming thought was that I missed my human. Memory stream terminates here. No further transcription data exists for the subject's neural signature. End of chapter. Chapter 141. Memory transcription subject, Captain Sovereign, United Nations Fleet Command. Date, standardized human time, February 21st, 2137. Hunter was summoned to a UN base responsible for archive prisoners, accessible by a short shuttle ride by an undisclosed location. Tyler had been working on interrogations on site since our return to Earth. Though the more I pressed, the more I've got the feeling that claim wasn't representative of the truth. While my amber-eyed relic of the 1960s was finalizing the documents for his reintegration, 
I was determined to uncover what Officer Kutana, and possibly by extension, humanity, was hiding. Were the Terrans trying to convert the fossil to our side, like they'd done with me? I wouldn't neglect aiding the human primitive, who'd become dear to my heart in spite of his antiquated ways. But it didn't sit well that I was the only soldier from the Archive's mission kept in the dark. Hunter was napping against my shoulder, somehow acting harmless despite his beastly origins from lawless days. When I interacted with him, old behaviors resurfaced from when Hania, my daughter, was alive. I devoted myself to catching the human up on modern learning. It was my first real look at Earth, without any safeguards or restrictions, but we plunged into those depths together. Hunter also needed a crash course on the wider galaxy. Things that a child Hania's age would have known were new to him. However, when I passed along overviews of alien currencies and markers on a whim, I'd seen his eyes light up in the way my daughters had first time that she saw the ocean. Despite being a rural farm boy, the predator had an aptitude for the subject, soaking up complex ideas like a sponge. While basic science and simplistic technology confounded him, Hunter could identify trends, analyze data, as well as a high-ranking fissin or nevok. If he wanted to adjust to modern times, trading might be a perfect option. It's fascinating that the hyper-capitalistic races are run by their highest corporations and conglomerates, the ancient human had remarked. Ruling purely on economic benefits seems unwise. I'm a laissez-faire guy, but you need some oversight. Entities can't be trusted to police predatory behavior on their own. Of course a primitive human says that. I wanted to reply, though I kept it to myself. If savage outliers could rise to power in your time, Hunter, I'm sure they saw economic exploits as another avenue to shirk all morals. Feeling my shoulder falling asleep, I tried to slip out from under Hunter's skull without waking him. However, without my weight to support him, the predator began to topple sideways. His binocular eyes jolted open, and he yawned a groggy confusion. Dipping my head in apologetic fashion, I tried to shake the pins and needles from my arm. It was crazy that I could see a creature that looked like this and once likely ripped prey apart with those youthful hands as my son. It lives, I teased, swatting him at the knee with just blunt side of my claws. The human recoiled, surprised by the contact. I thought you went back into cryosleep for a moment. Hunter scrunched his nose. I didn't mean to fall asleep on you, Sovlin. Nonsense, it's fine. You were so adorable. We're almost here, so I've got to return some feelings to my arm. Uh-uh, I'm not sure how I feel about being called adorable. Any other species would take the affectionate remark and roll with it. If someone told me a few months ago I'd be trying to convince a downer predator that life's worth living, letting one snooze on my shoulder, do you know what I would have said? That you want the entire species to suffer, and that you'd claw my eyes out Also, I'm not a doubter. There's just objectively nothing to live for. The future sucks. Well, it'll suck a little less every day. You gotta press on to find out the things get better. And you can't think the future sucks across the board. You got me to wake you up, after all. And I'm one of the most loved figures on Earth. I'm quite aware of the opposite is true, Sovlin. I'm grateful that you've stuck with me, even if you keep trying to throw away my cigarettes. The first time I saw you setting a stick on fire and putting it in your mouth, I thought that you were attempting suicide by smoke inhalation. I still do. Why would even predators do something so stupid? Tyler told you it's toxic and causes cancer. Not that I'd make a difference if it were true, but uh, name one reason I should take Tyler's word for anything. Fair point, that prim, uh, yodel, who didn't even know what aviation was as a kid, knows more than Tyler. 
My zones are not growing up with an aviation relevant. Because I said so. Hunter Ernest Garner. All three names. Ouch. Ouch is right. Now get up. Let's move to the cockpit before landing, huh? We should be prepared for whatever they're gonna ask you. Hunter made a point of saluting, and I waved my claws dismissively at the predator. We ambled up to the cockpit, where Tyler was paying no mind to the automated transit shuttle. My regulation. Someone who could pilot a craft was supposed to keep watch during takeoff and landing. That meant I needed to preside over the blonde officer for the descent. The plane had begun to tilt downwards, and the windshield granted a clear view of the desolate treetops surrounding a roughshod installation. You and security on the ground looked like ants from the site. Sovlin, called your buddy primitive again, Hunter snitched immediately. I shook my head. Damn you! Doesn't count towards the jaw. I stopped myself. Tyler rolled his eyes. That yodel was studying rocket science when he was 13 and knows more about you and pretty much everything. I'd bet a kidney that he'd smoke you in an IQ test. As if. Hanzo repeats things he hears and reads. Word retention doesn't mean... Tyler's holopad buzzed in his lap, revealing an incoming call. The tall human grew serious at once, and he pressed a finger to his lips for silence. Hunter gawked at the video call, an awestruck expression taking over his features. I wasn't sure if such exchanges existed in his century, or if they'd been in monochrome over computers the size of buildings like he'd suggested before. It might have been more difficult to resist scoffing at him had I not seen the face on the other end of the call. Marcel. The red-haired human was inconsolable, weeping through puffy eyes and red-rimmed irises. A box of tissues was just in view of the camera, with several wadded up in the desk. His posture looked utterly defeated and distraught. While his grooming was in shambles, it was clear he'd lost weight in the aftermath of the cure. Marcel wasn't quite as gaunt as when I'd held him captive without any food, but he didn't look like a healthy predator. There certainly wasn't a put-together man who forgave me after Silas. I always feel guilty just for interacting with him. Should I stay out of the picture? No, I can't. I have to oversee the shuttle's landing. Tyler! Marcel's voice was choked with mucus, sounding ragged and shaky. Oh God, how could this happen to Slenek? I should have stopped him. Now he's gone. I don't know if he's dead or... Uh, there's nothing. Tyler narrowed his eyes. Hey, slow down. Breathe, buddy. Tell me, in plain English, what happened to Slenek? You... You haven't heard? Why would I know what happened to your exchange, pal? The news. He shot Nikonis. The dirty and snuck him to Alpha. The Colchians made a video about what happened to herbivores who were around predators, but it's... Are you having a mental break? Slenek, the skittish emotional Venlil who couldn't fight in a flight sim. I wish I'd lost it. Slenek's gone. His mom's begging me to know what happened, which I don't fucking know. And the last thing I said to him... The red-haired human returned to full-fledged sobbing and buried his face in his hands. While our shuttle touched down on a landing pad, I punched the name Slenek into my holopad. Multiple headlines announced Nikonis' death, and UN Intelligence was on record verifying that Marcel's friend was the assassin. I found that difficult to believe, even after seeing how bitter and angry the Venel had been towards me. He tried to kill me while Oxel breathed down both our necks, so I knew that he was neither level-headed nor pragmatic. Still, the magnitude of what the Vendel had done was enormous. Marcel, Hunter whispered, this is the guy you tortured, and who's Nikonis? I ignored the ancient beast's question and tapped Tyler on the shoulder. It's true, what Marcel says about Slenek. None of the articles are certain whether he's alive, but the fact that the Colchians haven't announced his death... 
means that they have something else in store for him, Marcel bored. I can't do anything to stop it or protect him. He said he was getting help. He lied to me again. He's probably being tortured just like uh, me, like I was. Tyler pursed his lips. We don't know that. Don't patronize me. We both know I'm right. I need you to help me. There's no chance the UN will let me serve again, but I can't just let the Colchians keep him. Tell me how I can put myself on a warship to offer. I'll do it something. No, you don't. You've done more than enough, and it should be obvious that you are not fit for combat. Forget the mental aspect. How would you ever integrate with a human unit with such severe allergic reactions from traces of animal protein? It's not your fault. And you need to sit this one the feck out. I can't go on like this. Nothing good ever happens to me, and everyone I've ever cared about, uh, there's nothing but hate and suffering. I try so hard to be moral and kind. The fucking universe just pisses all over me. I'm done. I'm ready to die by gun, one way or another. So if you're really my friend, put me on a goddamn shuttle. Listen to yourself. You're a rational man. Slinek clearly had his own issues, but I know that he wouldn't want this. He loved you. Maybe a little too much. I'm going to help you, but you have to be strong and be here for when we find him. For his family, for Nulia, things will get better. And you're a good person who can bring a lot of positivity to the world. Marcel, it breaks my heart to see you this despondent. If I deserve to be happy, so do you, I interjected. I can't imagine your trauma and pain, but you shouldn't give up. This is my fault, not yours. It starts and ends with me. Marcel heaved a tired sigh. I don't care whose fault it is. I just wanted to stop. We're working on it. Tyler's blue eyes shone with as much sincerity as I'd seen from him. His concern for his friend was apparent. I know you're wondering how I can possibly help you, but you called me because you trust me. You trust me, right? Yes. But I have no one else to call. So, I was your first choice. I'm flattered. Listen, I'm going to make sure you get to help out. I'll get in touch with the UN some way and see that you're put on something like reports. It all makes the difference towards bringing Slinek home. Second, I'll ask to go to Alpha in your place and do anything I can to bring down these feckers at the very least. Tyler, I can't ask you to do that. You have some sort of cozy detail. Masqueron eaters make our own decisions. You're worth it to me. I want Marcel Fraser in this world. But if I'm doing this, you better uphold your end of the bargain and carry on. Remember how happy you were learning about aliens? You're going to treat your time abroad like an exchange program adventure, and they'll find the cure before you know it. You hear me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Buddy, we landed a few minutes ago, and I don't want the boys in blue barging in, voting phrases like dereliction of duty. I've got to, uh, interrogate some, uh, guests. Marcel chuckled in spite of himself. You're not qualified to interrogate a Barbie doll. What are you really? Tyler coughed, flicking his pupils in my direction. What the feck? I knew he was hiding something from me, but about his work here. <clears throat> Got it. Good luck with your interrogations, buddy, the redhead pivoted. Officer Cortona grinned. I love you, man. I'll be in touch as soon as I can. And believe me, I'm on this. Thank you, truly. Don't worry. I won't do anything rash. I'll talk to you in a bit. I'm gonna lay down. The red-haired human disconnected from the call and Tyler cleaned his misty eyes. It was moving to see how much the two predators cared for each other as friends. However, other thoughts warred for my attention. Marcel's skepticism of the real happenings at the base fueled my own supposition, prompting me to find a way to snoop around once we got inside. 
Now Tyler straight in his uniform, shifting between concern for my former captives and nosiness towards this current operation. Tyler, I know we go where they tell us, but I'd like to throw my name in with your request, I murmured. I owe it to myself and uh, his Venlor. Shalanak might not have done this if he'd been allowed to take his frustrations out on me, or if I hadn't sparked his anger to begin with. Hunter raised his eyebrows. What? But I need you here. You promised to help me navigate the world, Sovereign. I can't do this alone. You're all I have. I'll still be in touch. Here for you at the press of a button. But I'm responsible for Slanek going off the deep end. It's not right for me to live while my soul throws in the towel. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try to do something. Please, Tyler. The tall human sighed. <sighs> you did enough for Marcel and Silas, but I know you'll never believe that, so I'll forward your request. Nonzo will want to come with me, and it won't be a negotiation. If Sam and Carlos want to join, you better find out by this afternoon. Yes, sir. That's settled then. Let me walk you and Hunter to the lobby for your Q&A, and we'll sort out the rest later. I've got to get to my post. I wrapped my arm around Hunter's torso, trying to reassure him of my commitment to his welfare. As determined as I was to motivate Marcel to persist, this reawakened predator from the archives was beginning to feel like my son. I had to ensure that they both sought continued existence. It was dubious how successful I was at deciphering Earth's ways, but I tried to set my primitive Terran up for success and fulfillment. He needed my guidance, no matter how far away I was. I would deign to be in touch daily, if it was possible. Would you object to me, um, mentally adopting you? I whispered to Hunter. The primitive scratched his brown hair and his scalp. No? Good. Now, if only I could change your name. Are you sure I can't call you Ernest? No. That was Pa's name. I ain't my Pa, and I don't want to think about him none. Tyler escorted the two of us through the premises, down a walkway to an unassuming complex. UN guards were patrolling and posted at various entrances. Despite its remote location on their own planet, the humans had relaxed security at the space. The predators were notably paranoid of attacks, anywhere and at any place. But I thought it would be wiser to concentrate security inside with the prisoners. That was, unless the notion of the archives' inmates were misdirection, just like the fabricated interrogations. Maybe Hunter is privy to some information I'm not. He could have overheard something Tyler revealed without me present. Since this beast is my kind of son now, he's going to help me solve the puzzle. I pushed the issue with Slinek to the back of my mind, knowing that I'd already committed to do what I could. Dwelling on the Venel's crazed yet successful assassination would only provide a dose service to Hunter, and it would distract me from assessing the situation here. Why would the Predators alter the facts about their activities with me when I'd proven my loyalty and discretion? I'd been willing to do everything as the United Nations asked, without question or hesitation. It was ridiculous that these primates would keep me out of the loop now. Here we are, Tyler ushered us into the lobby and spoke a few words to the receptionist. He turned back to us with a taut smile, scanning his card to unlock the secured door. You'll do great, Hunter. I'll be here to take you both home. Ramen tonight. Again, Hunter groaned. Blame Sovlin and his stupid meat allergies. If you don't like it, cook for yourselves. The blonde human vanished down the corridor, and the receptionist informed us that you and personnel would be with us shortly. I waited several seconds to ensure Tyler was gone and scoped out the area. The keycard was visible on the desk, which was likely able to unlock the sealed door. However, there was no way for me to snatch it, since it was in the direct line of Vobanekla vision. 
I nudged Hunter, whispering in his ear. Distract her. Make him a scene. Why? He hissed. Because Tyler's not a good liar, and I'm tired of pretending he is. Do it. Yes, Dad. The brown-haired human stuck his tongue out at me before sauntering up to the desk in exaggerated fashion. He tried to peek at the computer display, but she turned it away from him. Hunter made a pouting face before removing his shoe from his foot. I gasped when he chucked it over her head. The poor stranger seemed shocked as well. She rose quickly, approaching the ancient human to subdue him. I slunk around the corners of her vision and swiped the card as she shouted at the primitive to calm down. Jackpot. I unlocked the sealed door only to find two human guards standing a few paces inside. Gulping, I tried to think quickly. Acting like I belonged here would be easier than shoving my way through. Blind to where I needed to go. My posture straightened with false confidence, and I prayed that my remaining spines wouldn't bristle with the reveal my nerves. I have an urgent message for Officer Tyler Cordona. Captain Monaghan asked that I pass it along for his eyes only, I said, trying not to waver under scrutinized binocular eyes. You can verify with her if you want to waste everyone's time and land yourself on a starship captain's shit list. Either way, I must speak with Officer Cordona at once. The guards, both young soldiers who seemed inexperienced, shared a glance before one beckoned me to follow them. The threat of being rebuked by a superior officer was menacing, and to their eyes, it was unlikely I'd access the facility at all without proper clearance. If I tried anything or was found out to be lying, they could always restrain me. I followed the humans down a short hallway, retreading the ground Tyler had walked on. My heart was pounding in my throat from this act of deception, though I was also nervous to discover what the humans were conceding. The UN soldiers hesitated before one wrapped knuckles on a thick metal door. I drew a deep breath as Tyler popped it open, granting me a peek at what was inside the cell. There was no fossil occupants, nor were there any rescued herbivores being purposely hidden from their people. Instead, I could see comfortable accommodations designed for an unrestrained oxal, which had its monstrous eyes turned towards the door. The blonde human seemed alarmed to see me, but I wasn't paying these incensed words any attention. Why would the Terrans have a grey in custody kept under the guise of the archives? My heart rate climbed even higher when the rage turning in my blood, I struggled to consider what this meant. All I wanted to have was the statistic predator slain at my claws, for the torment its kind inflicted upon my family. End of chapter Chapter 142 Memory Transcription Subject Chief Hunter Isif, Arxo Rebellion Command Date standardized human time, February 21st, 2136. When the United Nations contacted me after the summit, I expected to be chastised for my unannounced arrival, shirking Oleg and Lisa's watch. Instead, Secretary General Zhao offered to confide of the secret that he was keeping about the Arxor. The human was emphatic that this had to be kept under wraps, even from Felra, Kaisel, and anyone in my inner circle. I landed a shuttle on the gorgeous world known as Earth following the UN's landing beacon. It was a bit concerning to know the humans were officially in league with the herbivores, while we remaining outside the organization. It wasn't clear if the speech the rodent pestered me into had made a difference, given that I hadn't heard any government except the Yotl. Tava was notably quiet. Human soldiers steered me in through separate entrance from the main one, though I found their cordial demeanors reassuring. It wasn't clear what the Secretary General felt needed to be passed along in person. I hoped the request for the face-to-face -face dialogue meant that I was in the United Nations' good graces. 
my dose of friend's most compelling argument for attending the summit had been an effective rebellion required external military support. Our success hinged on how much the Terrans or their allies chipped in to our cause. Well, it didn't suit me to beg like a leaf licker. I would attempt to gauge their war plans. Do humans view us as full allies unless they're crushing Arthur underfoot tomorrow? This revelation needs to be more than an afterthought. What could be a lock and key secret about the Arxol from the archives? I mused to my escorts, who only acknowledged my words with a twitch of their binocular eyes. We already know the truth about the conspiracy, yes? The humans clearly had been ordered to stay tight-lipped about the purpose of this visit, so I fiddled with my holopad while waiting for Zal. The Secretary General strolled into my room within minutes, which suggested that he'd been here in anticipation of my arrival. It was another positive sign that the leader of Earth respected my time. His personal gods were lax, further denoting that he no longer viewed me as a threat. The Terran dignitary extended his right arm, and I gripped it loosely in my own paw. A slight smile crossed his face before he seated himself across from me. I am not here to put you through the ringer, since the Dirtian were no major loss. If, I being honest, there were lots of groans amongst the diplomatic staff when we heard that they were coming, Zhao chuckled. But frankly, Isif, it wasn't a smart move on your part. You know how delicate it is, just for us to appease the herbivores. Balra seems to have a negative impact on your decision-making, while also failing to maintain decorum, and uh, making you appear weak to your kin. She's been good for you, personally, but she's a negative influence on your judgment. She needs to go home. I flared my nostrils with indignation. I am not going to ship my best friend back to Malou, gift wrap for the Colchian occupiers. It was your people's idea to guilt me into rescuing her. General Jones miscalculated, in my humble opinion. Her intent was for you to tilt the scales of Malou, not to grab one doser and bolt. You're a great strategist, and you did need a push, but you've become distracted. You're not devoting your full energy to the movement. They'll cost you in the long run. I saved someone that is important to me. Jones wished to force me into openly rebelling, yes. Humanity has made no progress in Malou in months. So it seems bold to fling accusations at me for my selected engagements. You are correct to frown upon our progress, or lack thereof. The problem with Malou is we whittle down each other's drone forces, and the Colchians send more to replace them as quickly as us. It's become a competition of how fast we can slap new automatons together, and they have the advantage of being entrenched in the system already. If we commit resources from other key areas, that opens us up to an attack elsewhere. Perhaps what they're banking on. So your humanity is focused on keeping its current systems and counterattacking. Precisely. Every system we fail to protect reflects on us. The Dirtian Shield has been ineffectual. The whole of our industrial power can't go to one world. You need to intervene. Whether for Falra's sake or ours, Give us an edge to make headway. It was undeniable that the Dosa didn't belong among Arxor. Her presence was hampering my interactions with the rebels serving under me, many of whom would never accept her. Valra never complained about her homeworld being occupied, but I had noticed how happy she'd looked at the sight of Dosa's summit delegates. I'd grown accustomed to having a friend to talk to. However, 
What was best for her was more important than her commitment, preventing me from being alone. No matter the distance, we could chat by a swift pair like we'd done before meeting up. Humans manipulated me into intervening in Malu when the attack first begun, but at least Zhao has the decency to outright ask without trickery. Palra's wave has forced me into some altercations to defend her honor, and it's truly not ideal. I'll consider it, but we've lent our resources to rescue various cattle for nothing in return. I can't risk sustaining heavy losses without some guarantees of recompense, I responded. Spell it out for what comes next. Convince me that your cunning is truly enough to topple the Federation once and for all. Zhao donned a cocky smirk. The Vassal are already out of commission. You and I both know that they're not the military might of the Empire. They're schemers, meddlers, rewriter. The Kalshians are the ones with a secret army, and we have no idea to their full capabilities. But Arthur could be an impenetrable fortress. They would well have an ace up their sleeve to play, but who said all our cards were on the table? There are three faces left in the war. The first is defense. Should the tables turn up and loo, I imagine the Kalshians are biding their time to hit human territory. We know they want to cure us, so I'd find the use of biological weapons against a civilian populace likely. Have you made any progress towards undoing this cure? It would be of use to the Oxal, as this disease would be lethal against us. Even with emergency use protocols, I can't see us having a genetic reversal inside of a year, especially with the life or death issues on our plate. We've been looking into this since learning about the omnivore manipulation from Nikonis, but knowing which human genes were targeted by the retrovirus, by era before and after, is insightful. It should accelerate our research progress a little. At least your kind can survive on vegetation, yes. I should hope that your other two war phases aren't so dreadfully passive. It inspires minimal confidence. No, Isif, we're not content to sit back. The second phase is preventing the Kalshian allies from joining the fray, since it is unfeasible to clash with hundreds of species. We keep them out of it, hitting any targets we can, and make it a fair fight. The third part, then, of course, is an all-out assault on Arthur, and we take it inch by inch. We storm the planetary defense systems of their satellites, like the landing at Normandy. Humanity must execute each of these phases simultaneously and to perfection. You can't be everywhere all at once, but we can make them think we are. Realization struck me like a kick in the teeth. That was the strategy humans wanted my rebellion to employ against the Dominion. It was an arduous solution to pull off, but the psychological effects couldn't be understated. Leaving the enemy looking over their shoulder, expecting an ambush at each turn, was a classic strategy of the Arxor. Could the Terrans rattle the herbivores further than we had with a more convincing rendition? I was intrigued to know how Zhao hoped to accomplish that, and whether I could replicate those strategies against Giznil. We've discussed the state of military affairs long enough. I'm sold that the humans are planning an attempt to stamp out the last of the feds. In one grand push. Even the tireless Terrans can't keep up the space of activity forever. Can they? I'll draft a plan to retake Malou, but again, I expect some collaboration and aid, I decided. Now, I thought you summoned me here to impart something that you found at the archives. Or was that a false pretense? Secretary General Zhao pursed his lips. I decided to tell you the truth. 
because I trust you would see you as an important ally. At the archives, we discovered a handful of Arxor kept in cryosleep, presumably preserved from long ago, in case the fossil ever took another go at curing you. What? That's incredible! I would love for these Arxor to join me. That's part of why I hesitated to tell you. You see, after learning about what the Arxor once were, many of them have become despondent. I feel like we're treading the same path as the fossil, too. Telling your people that aliens kidnapped them, but not us. Except it's true in this case. Now don't follow. Knowing my own sadness to what we've lost as a culture, I do not see why humanity's role or their reaction to the present status quo would matter. Isif. Earth is providing asylum to vocal critics of betterment, several of whom oppose the very ideology in their day. Would destroy what's left of our outward neutrality with the Dominion. If word got out through your people, or we accepted the scattered pleas from this lot to join the UN forces, it would be problematic. Regardless, I'm not sure they want to sign on your rebellion. They're leery, even of you, learning about the cruel practices and your history. Disappointment fogged my mind. Ah, I see. My own people think I'm a monster. You don't want me to get the wrong idea about their allegiance or spread word about what Arxor used to be. I felt that it would be wrong to deprive you of the opportunity to speak with the ancients. I know that you want to restore your society to what it once was, and that mandates full knowledge of the changes that have transpired. If humanity has assessed that these people wish for nothing to do with me, I respect that conclusion. After the ridicule at the summit, I do not need to speak to anyone who does not wish to speak to me. Relax. I've selected one of the Arxor who's taken the news in stride, and hasn't had a depressive episode. Her name is Vysith. She was open to speaking with you, if only to find out how you could do such things. Why would I wish to defend my entire life, Zhao? It is not as if I don't already know the full scope of my crimes. You want a reason to go through the trouble. One word, morality. Call it a foolish notion, but heeding moral principles is what gives you integrity. Without ethics, your movement is one bad actor away from returning the two Batman's oppression. Viseth could show you what the Arxor stood for. I lashed my tail in frustration. When word of the Archives confirmed empathy was prevalent in our past, I yearned to see it in action. After years of repressing my own defective leanings, it was difficult to understand how personal experiences and interactions worked. Furthermore, I found myself defaulting to cruelty as a disciplinary crux that kept my subordinates in line. As much as I aspired to emulate those ideals of the past, I was at a loss for how to achieve that. Viseth could give me pointers on the proper bounds of morality. Maybe we could become more like humanity through this conversation Zhao was facilitating. It's worth hearing what Vyseth has to say. Very well, I leveled the human with a piercing stare, which he matched with his own brown eyes. If it helps return to the reason and honor that once guided us, I must do it. Peace for Arxor of the future, for every species amongst the stars, is what I desire at any cost. Secretary General Zhao stood, beckoning for me to follow. Humanity has that in common, Isif. Maya talked about coexistence, and I championed protecting Earth. But it goes beyond both of those noble goals. If we vanished from the Milky Way tomorrow, I'd like for people to say we left the galaxy a better place than we found it. 
I know they will not say that about me. I have perpetrated too much tragedy. For what it's worth, it's my belief that history will be kinder to you than you imagine. The primate led me through a narrow corridor, which was cramped for my wider, taller form. Had I not been slouching, I would not fit upright within the dreary hallway. Oxal posture proved beneficial in this instance, as we ducked into the observation room that opened through Zal's retinal scan. I stalked up to the window, curious for a peek at Viseth. The female Oxal was seated across from a blonde woman who was playing some paper rectangle game with her. The glass was one way, while the security monitors also captured the scene. Zhao approached the microphone, switching it on. Testing! Vicence, can you hear me? Are you ready to talk to the rebel leader I told you about? Yes, the huntress answered. In the interest of parity, I think that we should trade questions. This, uh, Isifika can start. Swallowing with nervousness, I took Zal's spot by the intercom. It's a pleasure to speak with you. May I ask whether you were around during the Fourth World War? Now is more than around. I could have gone into politics, run for a small local office, but I served my country's military to oppose the genocidal maniacs that wanted to conquer the world and cull their own kind. My turn. If Betterment culled the good people, how could someone like you even exist? Blending in. You can't fully erase effectiveness, their word, from the gene pool. Assuming you have empathic traits, I which I gather from your speech, you would be put down today. Rest assured, I do not engage in such practices. Yes, how reassuring. That you felt the need to specify that. I don't get how the block could have gotten away with killing people without an uproar from friends and family. Nobody fought back. Uproar? You had friends and family who cared about you. Normal Oxor did. Is that really your question? If I posited it to you in this interrogative, I suppose it is. By that logic, you asking why nobody fought back was an extraneous question. I'm astounded by how rigid and literal you are. I was expressing my shock that your people just let risk rot. Even less social Oxor cared about their families and had a few people to share their subjectives of interest with. It seems impossible to have functioning society without any connection. It's no wonder that you have no conscience. With how self-conscious I was speaking to others, the criticism of my phraseology would have been enough to make me clam up, before Vicenth lambasted me as devoid of empathy. My conscience was why I shied away from talking food to begin with. Despite my efforts to oppose Betment, this huntress viewed me as an unfettered hostility. It was difficult enough the rest of the galaxy saw us as irredeemable monsters, but to hear such rhetoric from my own kind needled shame deep within me. Secretary General Zhao knitted his brows with concern and seemed to weigh terminating the exchange. I was surprised when the human placed an oily palm on my shoulder, a quiet gesture of support. Vyseth's verbal attacks drew disappointment from Earth's leader, who'd hoped that she would serve as a moral lighthouse to guide me through murky waters. I stepped away from the microphone to deliberate a better angle to approach the investigation. The human dignitary started back down the corridor, sighing heavily. A knock sounded from within Vicent's room, coming from the separate entrance to her chamber. The blonde Terran accompanying the Arxel leapt to his feet with a baffled expression and propped the door open. My deflated demeanor was replaced by curiosity, prompting me to squint. The face on the other side of the threshold was a gojid belonging to an individual the humans clearly weren't expecting. The primates displayed concern at the newcomer's arrival. 
If my fellow predators were worried, that could mean the herbivore was a threat to Vice's welfare. I gazed upon the hate-filled eyes of the Gojard and waited to see what his next move would be. It was clear the humans didn't think the spiky visitor had come with peaceful intentions. End of chapter. Memory Transcription Subject, Captain Sovereign, United Nations Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, February 21st, 2137. Tyler attempted to slam the door in my face, but I drove my shoulder into it with force that could only stem from passion. The memories of stabbing my claws into an oxal's neck on Sinus while trying to save Marcel were fresh. Everything that had gone wrong in my life started and ended with Grays. The reason I tortured the kind-hearted human was because I equated Earth's sapient predators with these child-eating reptilian abominations. My daughter's screams as she was eaten alive echoed in my ears, and uncontrollable hatred blacked out any judgment. What the fuck are you doing here? You're only authorized to accompany Hunter, Tyler exclaimed. The blonde human made a move to intercept me, but I ducked under his grasp. The oxer at the table hadn't reacted to defend itself, and it looked more alarmed than ferocious. I could see Terran playing cards on the table in front of it. How could Tyler, my friend, have been indulging in a game with these savages? The two primates who were duped into bringing me here drew their weapons, though Officer Cordona urged him to stand down. Just as I came within striking distance of the grey, shadows flashed in my periphery. A massive, scarred oxel tackled me away from the one at the table, a growl rumbling in his throat. It had a clear opportunity for a death blow, but it had purposely not driven its claws into my flesh. Rather than pinning me with its superior weight, it released its grip and gestured for me to stand. The beast's body tilted forwards, arms raised in a fighting stance. It baffled me why it hadn't used its fangs to draw my blood. Was it toying with the prey that wandered into its den? Stand down, humans, the oxel barked. I can handle myself. Captain Sovlin, we have not met before, yes? I am the one you want, not Viseth. She was born long before any war or atrocities happened. And a jar door informed me that this newcomer predator had burst in from the observation room, where a recognizable human face was watching the scene unfold. It was Secretary General of the United Nations himself, giving a filthy monster a tour fresh off the summit. Zhao looked silently livid, striding into the room in a hurried attempt to defuse the situation. The name the Terran referred to the Grey Demon as was Isiv, which rang a bell. The primates were consorting with Chief Hunter that terrorized Gojids, forgetting all of its sins because it saved Earth. This ugly bastard is directly responsible for Hannah's fate. I'm gonna rend it from limb to limb. It's underestimates just how much I want it dead. Weisworth stood from the table, lashing its tail. Why don't we talk about whatever the issue is? It's dishonorable to trade claws without provocation. Besides, I would love a chance to speak with an alien other than... The Leaf Leakers do not see you as a worth talking to. We're monsters that deserve death to them, Isif hissed. With what the Arcs all have become now, I can understand where they're coming from. I never would have imagined we'd, uh, eat and torture people. That's something that's burdened me my entire life. Why do you think I'm letting Sovereign have a swing at me? I do not need outside assistance, which would make me look weak. Go on, Gojit. Do your worst. My bones ached from the force of the tackle but I stood with renewed determination. This oxel was mocking me, assuming I couldn't scratch it. The Terrans were foolish if they bought this mechanical stage profession of guilt from the monster that led the raids. I shrieked, swiped straight at Isif's eyes. Its tail hooked around my leg while I was mid-swing and sent me crashing to my rump. 
It waited with patience, heartless eyes facing me as cold slits. My spines bristled, sickened by the predatory visage. Isif seemed to be treating the skirmish as a recreation. The glint in its eyes reminded me of how Tyler looked, playing his murderous video games. In my youth, my movements might have been a bit more spry, but my ankles were throbbing from the tail swipe. I could acknowledge that the monster had a grasp on its hunger, enough to calculate and wait rather than act in a frenzy. This necessitated a more measured response on my part, despite the fog of fury spurring me onwards. Lost your nerve already, the chief hunter prompted. I raised my claws in defiance. Bloodthirsty, rotten, unfeeling fiend. I want you dead. Dead as a fecking children you ate alive. You stole my family. Creeping forward with purposeful steps, I kept all the Arxor's offensive weapons in my peripheral vision. It had to keep its repulsive pupils focused on me, which made it obvious where it was looking. When its gaze flicked downward, I hopped over the blistering tail sweep that followed. The grey balanced itself, swinging an arm at my head. I landed just in time to duck and pop back up and swipe its snout. Crimson red blood, the same iron-rich colour as the humans, spurted from its nostrils. The UN soldiers looked ready to intervene, treacherously worried when I drew the grey's blood. Stop attacking Isif at once! That's an order, Sovlin! Zhao growled, his own brown eyes narrowed in predatory fashion. I darted out of Isif's range, daring him to come to me. Feck you! The greys are animals! Existential threats! This is why you weren't supposed to know any of this, Tyler shouted. You can't control yourself or be trusted with any info involving the Arxor. The Federation started all of this. We can prove they weren't always like this. I don't care! You have never understood how they deserve to writhe. Their words, their past, they're supposed to change of heart. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Isif bared its savage fangs, instruments of death, which evolved for the sole purpose of dissecting sinew and crunching bone. The monster bounced towards me, jawed was wide open. The terror of being eaten made me slow to react. Disgusted by the carnivores gaping more, revealing the accrual of filthy drool. Its teeth were impossibly sharp, digging into my throat with painful force. The grey was applying the maximum pressure it could without puncturing my vulnerable flesh. It relaxed its grip for a moment, long enough to throw me into a pin on the ground. Its fangs were then back in my throat, bringing my prey instincts to full-fledged panic. The last of my control poured into not blading, which would risk Isab piercing my neck. The chemical surge was blinding hysteria. Sensory input was nauseating, with the reeking predator grasping me within its fangs like a meal. I didn't want to die the way my daughter had, dissected in a slow fashion to savor the cruelty. The Arxor were evil creatures incapable of containing their hunger, and this moment proved it. Despite all of this, the idle humans were watching, as if they thought the scene was within acceptable limits of behavior. Perhaps they were scared to interfere with a Grey's catch. Or perhaps I was wrong to trust their benevolence. Wasn't I always worried about Terrans siding with the Arxor over us? Was all their secrecy because they're throwing us to the greys, colluding with Isip above creatures with any redeeming features? Isip placed an uncanny eye inches away from mine. I do not want to hurt you. If I did, we would not be having this conversation. Are you understanding my words yet? An Arxor knows when they've been bested. When to admit defeat? Kill me, you fecking monster! A stutter lapsed in my voice from the dizzying pull of adrenaline, but I clung to my hatred in the face of certain death. Savor the act, like the predator you are! 
It can feel good to engage in acts of aggression, but I derive no pleasure from needless suffering. Survival is not a choice. It is an imperative commanded by biology outside our control. The societal confines under the dominion mandated horrible actions. Evil is not natural. It is gradual, hardened by time and burst of ideas. It is a phenomenon of sapience, not predation. Only predators eat people. You uh, lost the right to call yourself sapient when the first child's carcass you munched on. I uh, am sorry for every meal that I had. I had no choice. So while objective fault cannot be assigned in such circumstances, my conscience assigns guilt all the same. It is unforgivable. That's why you must die, scum. Were I not vital to the efforts of all peaceful future, I would agree with your assessment. By your own words about the right to be deemed sapient, Vysith has lost her status. She never ate any creature of so funds in her life. She was rescued from the archives, and her people might as well have been a different species. They welcomed you, as the humans would have. Man-like humanity, their civilians were killed for it. Direct your anger at me. The Arxor, for an unfathomable reason, opened its jaws and allowed me to crawl away on the floor. Why would it spare defenseless prey? when it could literally taste my flesh on its tongue. Perhaps it was deceiving the humans, who clearly trusted it enough to let it place its gross, chipped fangs on my throat. It had more control than I'd anticipated from a vile grey, but I didn't buy for one second that their species was different in the past. The Federation brought out the viciousness that there was existing inclination. No worthwhile race could have hunted other civilizations like they had. The UN soldier bound my wrists as though I were the criminal, Tyler and Zal both stared at me with disapproval. While I had disobeyed direct orders and trespassed, it had proven that their secret actions were reprehensible. It was tough to believe that they pulled Viseth from a cryopod and deemed it ethical to keep an ancient oxal out of my purview. I risked my life on that mission to help the Earthlings. I had the same right to know as anyone else. The humans crafted too many excuses for the Grey's behavior, and their continued cooperation with these tormentors was unacceptable. Tyler breathed a flustered sigh. I was supposed to keep Viseth company, Sovlin. She's a guest, and she's not dangerous. You can't be questioning our judgment and poking your nose where it doesn't belong. I'm tired of you treating the Oxal like genuine people, I spat. They're not. You know what? Either you sit and talk with Viseth like an adult, or I have you charged with insubordination. You pick. As if I'd ever care what a Grey has to say. My decision is self-evident. Zhao tapped his chin. Do you think the Arxor are evil? Of course I do. You humans can't even say that word. What the Dominion done is evil, though. But that's why they're sapient. It takes intention and knowledge to be malicious. Animals just exist, unbeholden to our military. The capacity for good and evil are adjacent to one another. Oh, I get it. You think you see yourselves in them. They are way different. Humans might have had savage outliers in your past, but it wasn't your whole fucking society. That's the problem with outliers. Left unchecked, you realize one day that they've become your whole society in plain sight. I opened my mouth to argue, but my treacherous thoughts turned to how easily the Federation ensnared countless societies in the web of lies. Our entire society was disingenuous, and the loudest voices all had called to slaughter the peace-seeking humans. Secretary General Zhao's words boasted a conviction of truthfulness, and Carlos's old lesson from the Battle of Silas rang in my ear. That's the relief that makes monsters of us all. Nobody has empathy for someone that's too unalike. When the dots connected before my eyes that the Oxor had been in mass being convinced that aliens weren't people, 
I couldn't deny it fit with the true evil. The humans viewed the greyish trajectory as knowing purposeful decline into depravity. Where I wanted to find a monster beyond comparison, I saw the Federation mirrored. Both parties were to blame for what happened to my family, and for that, they were irredeemable. I hated that I'd served for years beneath the Federation's banner, fighting for their causes. As much as I loathed the carnivorous creatures in the cell, perhaps the Oxen were once capable of slight semblance of civilization. Since their decline had to start from something that wasn't this abominable. The Colchians contacted those demons as sapiens, and by Noconus's own admission, starved them soon after. Maybe Vyseth is capable of restraining her bloodthirsty instincts, because unlike the humans, Arxel certainly possessed those. Isif was drooling, and the brutality in the Grey's mess hall on that cattle ship. Zao pointed a hand at the table. We want peace. Make your choice. Be a part of the vision, or refuse, and help the Federation and Dominion keep us in a cycle of death. Tyler seemed surprised, as I gave the ultimatum a genuine consideration. The ancient Arxel had returned to its spot at the table, watching me with an unblinking stare that seemed to x-ray my skeleton. Isip's pupils darted between me and Viseth, perhaps regretting relinquishing a gorged prey to fatten itself up. No doubt both greys had cued in on my vulnerable areas and the fleshiest organs the second I stepped into the room. There was no depth of emotion when I peered into those terrible eyes, unlike when I gazed into our cells from my jail cell. The Arxor were soulless predators incapable of kindness. Their exteriors had zero cues that didn't scream cold-blooded killing machine. Still, as suicidal as it seemed on an instinctual level, the debt I owed the UN compelled me to comply with Sal's urgings. My feet shuffled towards the table hesitantly, feeling instinctive disgust and apprehension swell within my chest. Every neuron summoned the impulse to run away from the ravenous beast who I couldn't hope to be best in my arms still chained. Viseth drummed a claws on the table. Your visit was most insightful, Isif. I'd like to speak to Solid alone, and not while being watched by some zoo exhibit. I do not know the zoo word. Is that the term the human lexicon? Isif asked. No, it's more of them, like all my other words. Since your language has been dead for many centuries, my knowledge is negligible. I must research the zoo concept. Perhaps my human friends can aid me. I'll leave you to be, Viseth. The chief hunter departed from the observation door it came from with Sal, while the ancient Arxor looked mistrustfully to the modern predator that had schooled me. Then again, I supposed I was being foolish to assign any emotion to a grey's countenance. However, it was an undeniable fact that Viseth waited for Isif to be out of earshot to address me directly. The carnivore gestured for Tyler to retake his seat and it tended to the playing cards that it had abandoned. The blonde human watched me with disbelieving eyes, relaxing his posture for the first time since I barged in. I can't begin to express my shock, waking up to find the genocidal Northwest Block 1, and that the galaxy sees my entire race as people-eating monsters, Viseth hissed. We were fascinated by the idea of aliens. I guess Batament has bred out all the curiosity too. Your behavior is unhinged, Sovlin, but I agree that these arcs are all beyond saving. They are no longer recognizable, no longer people. I recoiled at how smooth and reproachable the grey speech was. How could your society ever have a meaningful differences from today? For starters, we cared about each other. Social and non-social arcs are managed different roles in society, being on opposite ends of the spectrum, but we respected and the contributions of both types, at least in my nation. The Northwest Block wanted to destroy the Morvum Charter, though, 
and we feared a war would kill us all. That might have been better than losing to those megalomaniacs. I am so unspeakably horrified by everything the humans say that we've done since then. Why would you care? Because they made thinking people cattle and wiped out entire societies. So many needless deaths, whole generations born into war, and no freedom of expression. Betterment has become so comically villainous with the titles and hunting obsessions that it's not even funny. They didn't use those titles back in your day. No, your savageness, Tyler commented. They would have been a mockery if they did. What's admirable about not landing a clean kill? Choosing cruelty over honor. Anyway, I got abducted by the Farsal on a mission to Kaisium, a neutral state of the bloc invaded in their quest for power. I was enlisted as a soldier against those bastards, and I wanted to stop them from hurting innocent civilians, not watch them carry out atrocities in the stars. I struggled to meet the beast's eyes. Arcs or hunters ate my daughter alive. I offer my sincerest condolences. It must have been a wretched thing to go through. I'll have you know that I would never do anything like that. The Arxor I knew would never commit such vile murders, because it is unthinkable. It must baffle you that we could ever be anything else after witnessing such a graphic and personal atrocity. This is a nightmare of epic proportions to me too. Imagine how you would feel finding your own species in such a diabolical state centuries later. Even with the gravelly register, the content of the beast's words seemed more like a human speech pattern than that of the terrorizing predator. It was worlds apart from Koth or even Isif. I would have never imagined that an Arxor could put such an eloquent, civilized sentences together. Deciding to humor the carnivore, I engaged in a thought exercise. If Gojits went to hunt the races in the Federation in a gruesome fashion, I would feel like ten times greater of a monster than when we were revealed to be omnivores. What could be more reporting than seeing your species reduced to mindless, hated savages? With its worst members from your time in charge. I couldn't bear to see the Gojis committing such heinous acts. I shared a glance with Tyler and picked up the flash of agreement in his eyes. The human had wanted me to empathize with the ox's plight. I'd mourn what my species used to be, Viseth. I imagine that's what you're doing. The predator lowered her reptilian eyes. Yes, I suppose I am. Against all odds, I'd survived one ox's jaws and was engaged in decent conversation with another. A part of me wondered if things could have been different had savagery not overtaken their entire society. Could carnivals have conducted themselves like any other species? The humans had seen something more than malicious monsters from the onset, and with Viseth slashing down on my preconceptions, it was tough to claim the primates didn't have a case. For the first time in my life, I spotted a tinge of sapience in the galaxy's original predators. End of chapter. There is a new legend on the horizon. Blueberry Cat has taken the T6 Patreon spot. Thank you very much, and I am sure that I speak for everyone when I say that. I would just like to thank our T5 members. Lord Azrakal, Ambrose Cattell, Quantum Wednesday, Dregzoon WRE, Blueberry Cat, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Bushmaster 177, and Leslie 517. Thank you very much.